the walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Your perfect love is casting out fear. And even when I'm caught in the middle of the storms of this life, I won't turn back, I know you are near. And I will fear no evil, for my God is with heart that holds on, a glorious light beyond all compare, and there will be an end to the troubles, but until that day comes, we'll live to know you here on the earth, and I will fear no evil, for my God is with me, and if my God is with
one you're able to do for 10. James was hardcore. He went into a store and said, listen, I am not paying more than a dollar for each item. And fortunately, he was in the dollar store at the time. <laughs> so it worked out. So we can, we can fill this one with $10. That'll cover shipping as well. So uh, if you don't have time to shop over the next couple days, these are all just daily essential items. Very important. And you can be a part of that. Also, a group is formed called I Care. Uh, I Care is, thank you. I Care is a group of uh, concerned members of the EMC community who want to raise money to support Haiti and raise the level of awareness as well as the level of discourse pertaining to the situation. I Care is about community, it's about solidarity, and it's about group action. Uh, Coach Karen Marshall is the head of this. If you want to join and be a part of this, see her. Please don't see her in the middle of a basketball game. Uh, in the middle of a women's basketball game. She's working. Don't have her call a timeout to talk to you about this. Find an appropriate time to talk to her. But uh, this week, uh, I Care at the game will take place on Wednesday, February 3rd at the men's and women's basketball games uh, here at the gym. We are asking all members of the community to come out and show your support for Haiti by paying admission for feet to enter the game. All money collected will go directly to uh, Yale uh, Relief Fund. We charge $5 for individuals, $8 for families, and $3 for students. So that's another way for you to support. One more final announcement. Again, I know there are always so many and so important that we really don't have time to announce them in chapel, which is why we have the PowerPoint. So if you're part of a group or an organization that wants to make an announcement, please get us your information. We'll scroll it. But uh, these are important and uh, didn't have time to get into beforehand. This afternoon, there will be a lecture in Trader Lecture Hall, uh, Pay Less, Live Worse for Women at Walmart. Uh, it will be by Dr. Hillary Getman. She's an alum of this school. And that's at Trader Lecture Hall at 245. Try to give numerous opportunities for chapel credit outside of chapel. Uh, for those uh, of you that need to uh, acquire some additional chapel credits, there will be chapel credit given for this. This is an important issue, issues of justice that we're Christians must be aware of, so it certainly applies to our, our Christian life. So again, that's at 245 in Trader Lecture Hall, followed by a Q&A with Dr. Getman and uh, President McGee. Will you please stand as we continue our worship together? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessing it is to gather together in your name to worship you. So we pray you be glorified in all that we do. We also remember our, our brothers and sisters in Haiti. We thank you from the report that I heard this morning that another life is emerged from the wilderness. We do pray. Please provide us there from at this time. Give us strength, energy, wisdom. Be with those students here that have lost family members, dealing with the grief and anguish in their home country. From all strength and energy in your peace that surpasses all understanding. Sit down. 
clothed in rainbows. Filled with wonder. Filled with wonders, awestruck wonder at the mention of your name. Jesus, your name is power. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with the strings and flute. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with the resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Thank you. 
Sing a thousand times. A thousand times I fail, still your mercy remains. Should I stumble again, I'm caught in your grace. Everlasting, your light will shine with all else face. Never ending, your glory goes beyond. above all else, you will above all else, my purpose remains, the art of losing myself, in bringing you praise, everlasting, your light will shine with all else faith, never ending, your glory goes beyond. My heart and my soul. times I've failed. Cry of my heart is 
well-known passage of scripture if you've grown up in a church and in Sunday school, so much so often that when we come to it, we just, for those of us who are familiar with it, we just kind of read quickly and think, oh yeah, we've been here before, we know this. If if you do not know the story, that's okay, and sometimes I have made the mistake, and I apologize as a chaplain, that sometimes I say, you know the part in the Bible where, or you know this story, and I shouldn't shouldn't do that. Some of us uh, aren't familiar with these stories, aren't familiar with the scriptures, and uh, so I apologize. And if you don't know the story or others, that's fine. I, we'll, I have no problem at all and enjoy the journey with you as we open up God's Word. But the text is really about two sons. Unfortunately, too much is often focused on one of the sons, the younger son. But it really is a story about two sons. And we must keep uh, both sons in mind as we read this text, for both of them are using the father for selfish giving. 
they both are trying to take advantage of their father. They both demonstrate the fact that they really don't love and care for him. Unfortunately, again, we focus too much on the younger, but the, the eldest son is just, just as guilty. And then in Luke 15, we're going to start at verse 11 of Luke chapter 15, but all of Luke 15 deals with Jesus talking to some Pharisees and some religious leaders and teachers of the day. And he's also fellowshipping and having dinner with, as they say in the passage of Scripture, with the worst of sinners. NRSV says, Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming to listen to him, if you read this. This is in verse 1 and 2. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and even eats with them. So that is the type of God we as Christians serve. Jesus would fellowship and have meals with, as some texts would say, the worst of sinners. And we need to understand in Jewish culture, culture, that is the most sacred thing you can do in friendship. You would have a meal with those you are closest with, those you love. And so that is the God you serve if you are a Christian. Jesus would fellowship and go into the homes of, as the religious leaders of the day would say, sinners. And so as he tells this parable, and in all of Luke he gives these two, two, three different parables. There's a parable of the lost sheep. There's a shepherd has a hundred sheep and one, one is lost and he leaves the 99 to go and find the other and there's a great celebration when he finds it. And then Jesus says, that is what God's love is like for you. That is what this text was telling us. That is what God's love is like. He loves you so much he will leave and seek and search for you. The second parable is similar. A woman loses a coin in her home and she turns the house upside down and lights the lamps and and looks all over until she finds the coin. And then she finds the coin and she celebrates and she calls her neighbors over and they have a celebration because that which was lost is now found. And then he moves into this third parable and gives an illustration of two lost coins. And I I just feel I need to stop and, and mention here before we continue. Jesus is talking about the love of God for you and as God your Father. Now, some of us, some of you may have not had very good relationships with your father, if at all. And so sometimes the understanding and concept of where we see Jesus referred to as father, and it's not just in the male masculine uh, father that that God is referred to throughout the scripture, certainly here in the Gospels and in this text. But but for those of you that may struggle with that concept because you do not have a healthy relationship with your father, I'd, I'd like to encourage you to think for a moment of what a father should be. Think of what you've always wanted in a father. Think of how your father should have lived and been if he was capable, if possible. You take that image, and I assure you it falls far short of God's love for you. Your heavenly father. I love my children dearly more than life itself. I would give my life for them. I really would. But my love for them falls far short than the Heavenly Father's love for them. And Jesus is teaching us now about the Heavenly Father's love, and he's really directing this to the Pharisees and religious leaders of the day, because they had trouble with the way Jesus was acting. Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11 and 12. Then Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. 
A few days later, the youngest son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant land, and there he squandered his property and his style of living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country and sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to, sp- to spare? But here I am, dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slave, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and was found. And they began to celebrate. Now the eldest son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come home and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I've been working like a slave to you, and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And the father said to him, All that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate with you because this brother of yours is dead and he has come alive. He is lost and has been found. Let's pray. Open our hearts, our minds, Lord, that we might grasp a little more this day how high. The younger brother's plan was clear, get the inheritance. Now we need to understand, we need to take the cultural context into account here for us to really understand the depth of this passage as we should throughout Scripture, understand the context. What he's asking for is for his father to sell a portion of the land because the value of the estate would have been in the land. And the younger brother would have got one-third of the estate when the father died. So he goes to him and tells him, I want the inheritance, I want the land now. And what he is saying to him is, I wish you were dead. Just give me what is mine. To his father's face, he's saying, you are dead to me. I don't care about you. I just want the money. Just give that to me. And then he takes money. A few days later, he goes off into wild living. As some of the texts say, his brother, his older brother, as we remember later in the text, assumes he had been with prostitutes. We don't know all the details. We do know that those days of living as a prodigal son I like to call him, he was walking in the valley of the shadow of stupidity. Wasting money 
wasting his life, wasting time, taking what his father had and using and abusing it, thinking only of himself. And he only comes to his senses when he reaches rock bottom, as is the case of many of us still even today. Only when it was all gone, when he had no longer had friends or relationships, only then he said, you know what? This is ridiculous. I'll just go back as a hired hand to my father. In verse 6, often stands out and often quoted, and rightfully so. And while the son was still a long way off, the father saw him. Keep in mind who Jesus is teaching here. Certainly the tax collectors and the sinners are sitting there as he's teaching, but so are the Pharisees and religious leaders of the day. And this is absolutely absurd for the father of the household to, one, know. Second, it's absurd to think that you would allow your son to speak to you that way, with one, possibly, possibly even killing him, without the least banishing him and giving him nothing. So the Pharisees and religious leaders of the day are, have to be beside themselves. This goes against everything we teach. This goes against our culture of the day. Are you kidding me? So they must be going nuts with Jesus is teaching them. So the father runs to him, embraces him. He tells him, get the best robe in the house, which would have been the father's robe. So not only does he welcome him back, he gives him all the best things that he has, his robe, a ring on his finger. He wants to throw a party. He wants to celebrate. I mentioned in the beginning that Jesus is a God who... The God that we worship who is with the worst of sinners, as the text says. He's also a God who likes to party. And he throws a celebration. The Pharisees, Pharisees would have been appalled that the Father welcomed the Son back. But that is what God's love is like. And that is what God's love is like. eldest son rejected the father as well. He really didn't love the father. It appears maybe that he did. He was rejecting the father in more legalistic ways, kind of like the Pharisees and religious teachers that Jesus is teaching to. He's following all the rules. He's following all the guidelines. I've never disobeyed you. I've done all that I should. You owe me. See, he wasn't doing it because he loved the Father. He wasn't faithfully serving out in the field because he loved the Father. He wasn't faithfully out there every day because he loved the Father. He was doing it because he wanted something for himself. Because he was in rebellion against it. And we can do that even today. Go to church. Serve in ministry. Do all the right things for all the wrong reasons. Giving praise to God when actually what we're wanting is something for ourselves. Whether that's praise and adoration or recognition or even just to feel better about ourselves, we can end up doing all the wrong things for all the wrong reasons. And in a sense, we are then also rejecting the Father because we're not doing it because we love Him. All the right things for all the wrong reasons. And then he gets angry. Because we need to understand and we miss this in the text if we're not careful. 
because he welcomed the younger son back. The son had the right to another say of the It will cost the elder brother some of his inheritance to welcome the younger brother back. Why are you? I've done nothing yet. He comes back. It's going to cost me something. It's going to cost me something significant. And he speaks in disrespectful ways to his father. Listen, it says in the NRSV. Speaks in disrespectful ways and tones, and finally his true nature comes out. And the father responds by saying, My son. The father again responds in love in grace, in mercy. This time he's not running from a distance, but there before him as he is being disrespected by his son. He says, my son, he does not disown him. This passage of scripture was actually the first text I ever preached from as a pastor on a Sunday morning. We started as a church as a, in a small group in a Bible study. We were met on Sunday nights for two years. So I knew that uh, about a year out, I knew that I would probably preach from this text. It seemed the best way to start the church. Um, so I must have read every book on this text. And I even memorized the passages of Scripture. I mean, I memorized the whole chapter. And I'm sure as I sat there and quoted the Scripture uh, without using a Bible that Sunday morning, I'm sure everyone was saved. Uh, the next sermon I had to prepare the following Sunday, seven days later, was a little more challenging because I was used to taking a full year to prepare for a sermon. But that's another, that's another issue. Didn't think ahead. Because why not prepare for the next uh, so I had read every book, and I picked up this book called The Prodigal God with me by Tim Keller. He's a pastor at Redeemer Presbyterian Church. And uh, my father had it on his desk when I was there for, for Christmas break, so I picked it up. It's just a, a small book. You can read through it in one sitting. And as I'm reading through it, I'm like, yeah, know this, know this, yeah, yeah. And then I start to get a little angry because, like, all right, I could have wrote this. I could have written this book. All right, I could have made the money that he's making on this book. Why didn't I write this book, Lord? Why didn't you let me write? But anyway, I worked I worked through that. But it comes to the portion of talking about the eldest son and his sister. He gives some examples of what an eldest son is like. And I, I want to read one quote. A sign of the elder brother's spirit is a lack of assurance in the father's life. A sign of the elder brother's spirit is a lack Now I was getting angry at the book. Brother, what? And then sometimes I go through those doubts. What? Wait, so I'm like an elder brother-ish uh, because I, I just don't always believe and agree and believe that God can love me just as I am. And goes on to say, as long as you are trying to earn your salvation by controlling God through goodness, you will never be sure you have been good enough for him. Every time something goes wrong in your life or a prayer goes unanswered, you wonder if it's because you aren't living right in this or that area. Another sign is that criticism from others just doesn't hurt your feelings. It devastates you. This is because your sense of God's love is abstract and has little power in your life. And you need the approval of others to bolster. prayer for 
me and for you is that we will accept and embrace no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what life has brought you through. We will never, ever forget that God loves you. And that's a journey we must continue to, to be on and accept and embrace. God loves us. So what does the elder brother decide? You know, the younger son came home and uh, repented of his sins and the father welcomed. What is the oldest son going to do? Jesus doesn't tell us. The text doesn't tell us. We must celebrate. The Father invites him in, and we do not know the decision he makes. What decision do you want to make? There is an exegetical point to this text that I missed as well. And I don't know how I missed it with all the books I read in that one year. Luke chapter 15 talks about those things that are lost and that God loves so much. There'll be a search given. So the shepherd searches for the one sheep. The woman searches for the coin. the Heavenly Father there waiting for him to return. And I realize the elder brother is supposed to be looking for the king. The elder brother, no matter the cost, should have been out searching for the so consumed with his own agenda. He was so consumed with it. He wanted from the Father. He did not even have enough compassion to care for his younger brother. This passage obviously points to the cross of Christ. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, even the tax collectors and sinners probably didn't, the disciples probably didn't understand what Jesus was pointing to at this point. I hope it's one of those things which we've talked about before as we, we get further along in our journey, we look back at points where we realize God was teaching us something, but we didn't even realize it until we got to this point, maybe years later. Maybe the disciples realized it years later. The elder brother should have been out searching for his younger brother. And Jesus is pointing to the cross where God, your loving heavenly Father, sent his only son to search for you. Some have referred to him as the hound of heaven. Christ will continue to search for you and has made a way for you to return to the Father at a moment's notice. God has sent his son for you. And that is what the love of God is like. That is what the love of God is like for you. So wherever you see yourself, the younger brother, the elder brother, there is the third way. To follow the example of Christ. To be more like the Father. To grow in our life, in our spiritual life, in our discipline, to love others, and be able to forgive the way this Father forgives. You see, once we come back, once the younger son came back to the Father, he then would have to become more and more like the Father to show what we To live. 
clinically important in finding the rest you need in life. I've hesitated to show the, the video. I recommended a few days, uh, the teaching video that we showed about a young boy being rescued in Haiti. I showed it because I didn't want to exploit anyone, take advantage, and you've seen so many images, and I just didn't want to do it for the wrong reasons. But it really is this beautiful portrayal. I just, I just really believe it as I... I was listening to it again today, all the different languages being spoken, and to people from all the different countries working together. There is no political issue there. There is no uh, cultural issue there. They're all in one mission to save this one child's life. And that is just a beautiful demonstration of the love of God. May we live like the prophet. May we search for those who lost, even if it will cost us something. current day current day examples it will cost us something but you know what everyone deserves help today it is christian everyone it's going to cost us more sacrifice needs to be made now don't come up to me next Jimmy ask me my political views and who I voted for two weeks ago and I appreciate the 35 emails I received last semester from whatever class was discussing the universal health care issue I don't know who has the best plan. I don't know who. I just know that that's Christian. And we have to make a sacrifice to make sure that that is covered. That's just one current modern day example that we must be aware of. Whatever the cost. God sent his only son because he loves you and to redeem you. May we live in the same way the Father has demonstrated for us. Will you please stand? the people, to be the people you want us to be. May we be willing to make the sacrifices, even if it costs us, Lord. Maybe we don't have $10 this week, but you're saying, you know, I need another care kit. Maybe we don't think we have the time to serve our Sunday school because we're so busy, but the Lord says, you know, the four-year-olds need a teacher. You know, it's going to cost you your time. I know you're busy, and I know the bills are high, and the money's low, but, you know, I need you to give some here. There. Lord, will you just, I guess I'm just praying, Lord, may we not be the elder brothers. May we not be a people who are doing all the right things for all the wrong reasons. May we simply seek, serve, and follow you with all our heart, wholeheartedly, 100%, because of your love for us. For those of us who have not been able to embrace and receive your love, Beautiful weekend. You are dismissed. Thank you.